You're listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. Welcome back, everyone. It is January 9th. Happy New Year. And it is Mental Health Monday. And we'll continue our conversation in emotions and the gospel with Deaconess Heidi Gaiman in just a moment. Thanks to Concordia University, Wisconsin, for your support of The Coffee Hour. Find out more about Concordia University, Wisconsin at cuw.edu. Live Uncommon. It is time for Mental Health Monday with Deaconess Heidi Gaiman. Good morning, Heidi. Good morning, Happy New Year and welcome back. Glad to uh, to be back. Hope you had a good Christmas and ready to continue our conversation in emotions and the gospel. We are taking a look at exploration, I believe, today as a tool in our toolbox for emotional processing. Mm. So it, it, toolbox and emotional processing, quick review since it's been a while since we mm-hmm. talked about this. It has been a hot minute. I would say that the benefits of having an emotional processing toolbox is because our body are, is going to process emotions anyway. And we have specific ways that we can help there to be able to move through the emotions in ways that feel supportive, in ways that are non-shamey, that connect us to ourselves, that to God, our identity, our purpose, all those good things, that sense of flourishing that we're looking for, rather than, you know, asking our 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 souls, our hearts and all that, our mind and all of it to do it on its own. That's a different experience than when we just let our lungs breathe on their own. When we process our emotions with some tools or a toolbox, because we all need a variety of methods. There's no one price fits all with anything, much less emotion. Then we have a different experience with our emotions than we do when we just let it go and ignore it. I appreciate that this chapter begins talking about snacks. So I was remiss and did not bring (laughs) snacks with me today to like physically experience this chapter about exploration. Mm. Thought about that a little too late. I ate enough over the holidays that it doesn't matter. I don't need snacks. Fair enough. Fair enough. (laughs) I don't know. That's true. I think it's funny because it also talks about like the fact that it's a specific memory, right, of snacks with my pastor too. And I don't actually remember what the snacks was, but my mind wants to say it was Cheetos, even though I know full well there's no way it was Cheetos. Like I, that just doesn't fit my pastor very well. (laughs) You're eating Cheetos. But this is how especially emotional experiences work when we have some emotions tied to that, whether comfortable or uncomfortable for us or somewhere in between. A lot of times we create some images and stuff. And, and we just, you know, we let our minds be creative and that's okay. Go with that is what we say in EMDR therapy. Go with that. Let that be. But dive in and be curious about it. And so I think that the Cheeto fingers that I talk about in here especially are a, a good highlight of what we get into when we talk about exploration because it, exploration has to do with our experience of emotions in the body. The fact that we have our bodily experience of emotions as humans, that's the way God designed us. And so Cheetos on my fingers, whether real or imagined, connected to those emotions are part of that bodily experience for me in the story I tell. So what is it about, what is that connection between physical movement and processing emotions? Yeah, absolutely. So I define emotional exploration as acknowledging the physical aspects of emotional processing and giving our bodies space to express emotions named and unnamed. And so that's a big part of it, is that we don't always have words for things, and we don't 
understand our experiences fully. We are human. We are limited. God knows everything about us. He sees all of our inner parts. There's so much joy and maybe a little scariness in that. There's so much joy in that. But I am limited even within myself. I only see part of the picture of even what's going on inside of me. Exploration helps me give room for my emotion and process them so they don't do that thing where they take over and explode out onto other people or make me feel like I need to turtle and hide away under blankets all day long um, by letting them move through me and inform me, right, instead of lead me or give too much weight, if you will, to my life or to me in my life. In your preparation, you share in this chapter that in your preparation for this book, you spent some time, what, a year before, just reading through the Bible, looking for emotion words, and that it turned out different than what you had expected. What did you learn in that process of searching God's word for emotions? I think I talked about in a different episode that I especially learned that the books that I thought were the most emotional, like are not really true. Like we have a preconceived notion, right, about what the Bible has to say about emotion. So there's another episode the listener can look up for that. But what I would say applies especially to exploration is that it is a much more physical experience in the Bible than I expected. I expected to see the word sad. I expected to see the word wrath. And I expected to see the word joy. You know, there's some things I expected. First of all, there's so many more words than I expected. There's so many more words of God's experience of emotion than I expected. I expected a much more human experience. And there is that. But there is so much about God in emotion. And then it's, and probably because of especially Hebrew literature and Hebrew culture and the way they express things very physically, which I think is very helpful for us, that it's a very physical experience. And so we see scriptural examples. My very favorite way the Bible expresses emotion this way is the, the bones wasting. Like it feels like my bones are wasting. And you would think that sounds not full of hope. Right? But when I hear that now after studying emotion and seeing God's compassion and desire to be in that with us, that that's a really powerful phrase that I can say my bones are weak. Like I feel so drained of energy that I feel like the bones inside of me are becoming jellified, right? There's almost an awareness of mortality in that because we, you know, as we get older, we even physically get osteoporosis and bone things. And I think it's wild that all of these like weird scientific things about it, God and his people in the Bible express it in these just really intentional and intuitive ways. And so I was really surprised by that. I appreciated that a lot. What are some of the examples that you found? Yeah. There's there's quite a few of them in this chapter, which I appreciate. But what are some of those maybe surprising ones that you found while you were researching? Mm-hmm. Okay, I'll pick out two more that are also my favorite. And one is, I would say, what we would think of as a little bit more positive. <laughs> That'll be nice for y'all. You can tell that I tend a little toward that language that instead of like having it feel so quote unquote positive within our system or comfortable or encouraging, I really actually find it very encouraging that 
shared humanity that someone else experienced this struggle that I did in my time and place and that God was with them in that. But I'll share two, and then maybe you guys can share a couple of your favorites. Lift up your head is a common one we find in the Psalms, but we also find in Genesis and in other places. And with each of these in the book, I give some scriptural examples that you can look up for study. And this would be a really great place for a group to kind of go through together a little more intensely or on your own in a journal. But and then I offer an actual like physical way to engage in that when you read that psalm or whatever to engage in that in a way that supports our mental health. So the one I offer with lift up your head is move your head to a forward facing or upward facing position, the opposite of a position of shame or humiliation. And that's what you really see in the scripture passages too, is that when God says, lift up your head, or where the psalmist is talking about lifting up their head, or the narrative talks about that experience of lifting up your head, it's the opposite of shame. It's returning to, there's space for me here. I have an identity apart from what I've ha- what is happening to me in this experience that God calls me his. And that's a really powerful thing. And I think that physicality and actually doing that when we don't feel it could be really helpful for us. And the second is grinding or gnashing teeth. And the examples I give in here are Job and X. And I do encourage the reader to look at the context around those two, even though some of them are single verses, the context will always be helpful guides for us. And what I say about grinding and gnashing teeth is this is a biblical expression of anger or rage. Not all of these have such universality, but that particular one does, which is interesting to me because I'm a teeth grinder. (laughs) I have a bite guard at night and everything. And I always really related it to my anxiety, but it was really interesting to me to sort through what anger or frustration might be in that for me. So I'll leave that at that. It's also a reminder of a massive amount of emotional tension we hold in our jaw and teeth. Try tightening and releasing the tension in your jaw and teeth, particularly when you are upset, but also preventatively, I almost couldn't say that on the radio, preventatively throughout the day, you know, to be able to engage in that biblical language of grinding and gnashing our teeth, but to be aware of it so that we can relax it and release and process that anger or emotional tension at the very least. How about you guys? Are there any that stuck out to you? I Yeah, grinding, gnashing teeth. <laughs> I'm sure the dentist really appreciates that one about me too. Mm, same. And yeah, like you, I just associated it more with anxiety. Didn't really think about it being more associated with anger, but biblically that makes more sense. And maybe I'm just an angry person. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think part of that, Andy, is like, A, we can't overassume, right? Just because... Mm-hmm. Like in the Bible, those are the representations we see. Doesn't mean that that's the holistic picture. Right? Like, I don't mean to overemphasize that or overstate that. I do think it's interesting to be curious. For me, I was like, huh. For me, a lot of it comes down to I noticed that I do have more anger than I realized at a broken world. Like, I feel frustrated with brokenness more than I thought. And that's what I discovered in in diving into that scripturally. And that's what happens when you dig into emotions in scripture. You may not get the full answer, but you get a lot of really great curiosity and God's presence in that curiosity. It does really awesome things in the Holy Spirit. We are taking a look at emotions and the gospel today. We're taking a look at the tool of exploration in your emotional processing toolbox. And we'll continue the conversation with Deaconess Heidi Gaiman in just a moment. You're listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth.
At Concordia University, Wisconsin, we believe you were created for a reason, to use your God-given gifts to help others, to live a life of self-sacrifice in a me-first world, to live a life that's uncommon. Whether you're taking one of 50-plus online programs or learning with us in person on the shores of Lake Michigan, you'll be equipped to make an uncommon impact. Learn more at cuw.edu. Concordia University, Wisconsin. Live uncommon. Welcome back to the Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. It is Mental Health Monday, and we are taking a look at emotions and the gospel, particularly looking at the tool of exploration in your emotional toolbox, emotional processing toolbox, I should say. So we've, we've talked about some of the emotions that you found in the Bible when doing your research and preparation for this work and, and identifying some that, that were perhaps surprising or maybe favorites that you found. What is, and a lot of them seem to be very physical. We were talking about gnashing of teeth. We didn't talk about dancing much yet. Mm. Do you want to talk, you saw dance, you found dance in there. Do you want to talk about that one before we talk about more about the relationship of physical senses and emotions? Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's funny because I do even have a playlist for this. So I have a playlist and people can look it up on Apple playlists. That's where I keep my playlist. And it has a different a playlist for different emotions. And one of them is actually movement. So there's playlists for different emotions and then a playlist for each of the processing that we're talking about. And I'm just in the phase of working on the processing ones. But let's be honest, movement is really helpful in a way that we, I think, don't expect. And so I wanted to get that one out there right away. And so there's definitely some dance music out there. Something that makes us want to move our body. The examples in scripture are in Second Samuel and in Jeremiah. And, and one thing I say about it is there's something refreshing in recognizing the freedom of God's provision for us in Christ by dancing like David danced, or remembering that joy does come in your time. I think really sometimes our body needs to be reminded of joy. Like we mentally, cognitively know that like joy comes in the morning and we know that like, you know, brokenness will last only so long. And sometimes we just need to bust it out. You know, we just moving our body and feeling refreshing sense that this hard stuff isn't all there is or this bad day at work or this email I didn't like even, you know, it doesn't have to be big and epic, but just having that sense of joy physically can sometimes break. I think we sometimes are fooled into thinking that emotions come first. But, and that's that emotion idea of leadership that is, it's it's not good for us that, oh, I have an emotion and then I move in it. No, no, no. You can also start with the behavior and then cultivate is the word I'd like to use some of those emotions that we're looking for that give us that sense of flourishing and the sense of belonging and compassion and all those things that we're looking for in Christ Jesus. Yeah, I, I relate to this not so much with blasting dance music, but riding my bike to work. Like mm-hmm. a huge reason why I, why I choose to do that, even if it takes more time and is physically taxing and sometimes drivers aren't super great. And also like it's 20 degrees outside right now. So it's, you know, I have to put on 20 different layers of clothing to stay warm, but I choose to keep doing that for the reasons that you're saying because it is that that space that I'm physically active and I'm in, in creation and my my bike ride is beautiful and and I have that that kind of space to just think through things and contemplate some of some things that mm-hmm. that are happening and and appreciate God's nature you know all the all yeah. of that stuff it just it makes a lot of sense so 
let's dig a little bit into the why though. How does that, why, why does that physical movement help us process through these emotions? Yeah. Well, the term that we define in the book is the word somatic, which is derived from Greek and it is something related to the body basically. So in, I like to share that term because if you look up anything online that's you know, research oriented about the body, especially you'll find this term somatics. And it's a term for distinguishing the physical part of ourself from the mind. And it's not that distinct. I want to start off with that. <laughs> I don't think when God says heart, soul, mind, and strength in the Bible, for instance, that those are like, you can cut them apart, like with a scalpel. That's not the way we're made. We are interwoven. At the same time, there, it's like a Venn diagram, right? There's a lot of overlapping, but there's also some distinct parts. And one way we can process our emotions is by keeping attention to the distinct parts. So starting there and then moving into the overlap, if you will. So if I feel a sensation in my body, which is again, why we call them feelings is because we feel sensations in our bodies attached to these things often, then I can be curious about that, move it, to a mental spot to my mind, contemplate it, think about it, name it, express it, whatever, or simply move it. And that will do the processing work as well, like you experience in, in the exercise and in even your environment, right? Moving through the city on the noise and the cacophony or listening to music or doing whatever, that's actually its own kind of movement, right? And so that physical sense that we experienced by moving our body or by being in movement and having movement around us that really makes a difference for us in our emotional life. How can, okay, do we want to talk more about physical movement before we go on to, there's a new term in this chapter as well. Um, do, do you want to talk about valence or do you want to talk more about physical movement? Oh, that's a good question. I would say, I'm sorry, my phone is going off. My phone is hear that. Do you so need to sorry. physically move? No, right? Like, I is it, is it the move bar on your watch well, telling you to get up and move? And I don't know why. I keep hanging it back up again, but they're very tenacious. Okay, they stopped. Back into my life, you guys. I don't know. What, whatever you think. I think valence is uh, really helpful. But at the same time, like, you know, I think people can go to the book. I don't want to overwhelm them necessarily, but it is an important term, I guess. The idea that we experience an emotion in a spectrum of pleasure to discomfort. <laughs> like There are emotions I like and ones I don't like and then stuff in between. And so I think balance is helpful to know about. I really run into a lot of people who don't have that level of relationship with their emotions that they have an understanding of whether they like certain ones or don't like certain ones like that's not something culturally that we ask people to wrestle with unless you've done it in your families of understanding whether sadness is helpful for you or hard for you or a lot of stuff in between and the same with you know excitement or whatever else or the ways you've been shut down with certain emotions and the ways that you've been built up in certain emotions then yeah, you you don't just naturally learn that. That's an intentional learning, I think. All right. It's not a word that I use every day. I don't know to use the word valence or valence. I, I pronounce it valence, but I don't mm. know, maybe it could be pronounced multiple ways. It's not, a, do you, Sarah, do you use this word every day? Not relating to emotion, no. Isn't that like the curtain part too that you put over the window? That That's V-A-L-A-N-C-E, oh, isn't it? Oh, it's spelled differently. 
sounds the same. Oh, English. I feel like <laughs> this could be used as a metaphor in some way, but I'm not going to dive into that. <laughs> screaming. What is that? A hominin or a homophone? Something One like of them. That. Yeah, you're right. I don't think it's a word I we use every day. The reason I share the word is because, again, since it's something we don't have a great construct for in our culture, we when we have a name for it, it helps us be able to engage in that construct and learn more about it. When we don't have a name for it, it feels too vague. Like I can't learn about it and I don't understand. <laughs> and so I do think naming it is helpful, but it is basically related to the fact that we have a sense of emotion and each individual emotion that it's either pleasurable or like uncomfortable for us, deeply uncomfortable or somewhere in between. So what do we do with that when we, when we recognize an emotion, we feel it physically, where do we go from there with this exploration technique? I'm so sorry. You have to repeat that. I am looking out a window and my husband is walking around with my dogs outside my therapy office. <laughs> what is happening? You guys, it's all breaking down in the new year for me. <laughs> okay, Sarah, say that again. When we when we feel an emotion and we, we, we recognize it and we feel it somewhere in our body, what do we do then with this school of exploration? Well, a good start, similar to what we talked about before, is just notice it. Every The beginning of each processing is to notice it, right? And that is an act. I mean, I think we live so much of our life choosing not to <laughs> or just never being direct to. And so noticing it is how it rises to the surface and brings that awareness. And so that's a really good start then to let our bodies inform us, right? So emotions are informants, not leaders. And there's a lot of good information. What does your body want to do? Now, we don't have to do that thing. They're not leaders. But if it wants to, and I give some examples in the book of stretching, does it want like to take a deep breath? Does it want to like uh, do something, put your hands in the sand, you know, especially when we're in nature, we have a strong sense of this. Do we want to just tear something up or throw something away? Like kind of pay attention to that. If it's if it's something that's not healthy for you, don't do it. You do not have to do that. <laughs> but if it's giving you a sense of something that you can offer your senses, your nervous system and your vagus nerve and all that good stuff, that we are served really well. And that's a really great way to help yourself get back to that restoration or regulation place. And then otherwise, you can step into your movement intentionally as well. So, you know, using some of that lifting up your head or dance or other things like exercise you mentioned or getting on your bike, going for a walk in the woods, getting outside, changing locations is a big one for regulation. Getting a hug, right? That those are things that help us that are movement oriented, that helps us explore the emotion and now we don't have to do something well, I won't bore everyone with hours about biomechanists, but or biomechanics. <laughs> but I, there, there, I think several biomechanists, I guess, is the word to yeah. that see a correlation between physical movement or physical activity and healthy cell activity, like all the cells in our body, mm -hmm. not just, you know, we think, I think we often think of physical movement as impacting our muscles so that we have stronger muscles or maybe helping us have cardiovascular health. You know, exercise is good for cardiovascular health, but there, there are some 
interesting theories about just physical movement in general impacting every cell in your body. And mm-hmm. I find that fascinating. And that really, I, I guess, is consistent with what we've been talking about, how mm-hmm. God designed us, how he designed us, created us, that it's you can't separate physical from emotional or spiritual, that all those things make up who we are mm-hmm. as yeah. we are created by God. Fascinating to me. Yeah, I think that's so powerful too. Just that interconnectivity. And that's why it's created for connection. There's like lots of layers to that, right? I think that's a really cool thing to see, God's connectivity. Anything else on exploration as we wrap up our time together today? I would say I do see this um, a little bit of a fad theologically, if you will. And Mm -hmm. so I would caution the listener to be aware that we are somatic people. We do live in a body. And I do think we've historically ignored that for a hot minute. Now there's a little bit of a fad where we move towards somatic so much, again, that we forget that we're integrated. And so know that you aren't just a body. So if you're living in chronic pain, like you do want to get to know that and understand it a little bit more and have some space to process that. But there's so much more to you and to God than that thing. And I think we need to know that. And and I, I love the fact that we're talking about the body more, even theologically. But, you know, we can... We're not Gnostics, we're not just spirit, but we're also not just flesh. And being able to live in both spaces at once is really important. And we talked about that a little bit earlier, and that's exactly, I think, you did a beautiful job of connecting that, Andy, with our cellular experience, that we are we are all that wrapped together because of God. We have at least one more tool to put in our emotional processing toolbox next week as we continue our conversation on emotions and the gospel here on Mental Health Mondays. Heidi, thank you so much. Always great to to learn something new with you each week. Absolutely. I look forward to our next chat. See you next Monday. You've been listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. The Coffee Hour with Andy and Sarah is a production of KFUO. To support The Coffee Hour and KFUO Radio, visit KFUO.org. You can also text KFUO to 41444 or send an email to gifts at KFUO.org. And you can call us at 800-844-0524. KFUO. Christ for you anytime, anywhere. Anywhere.